Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to the Story Church Podcast. Our podcast features audio from Sunday mornings at Story Church in Peru, Indiana, a community on the mission of connecting people's story to God's story. If you'd like to connect with us further, check out storyperu.com. Our hope is that today's episode helps you take your next step on your faith journey. As we're talking about money, I just want to do a couple of disclaimers on the front side. Like, I know that this is a tension-filled topic. In fact, uh, bonus points to you if you paid attention last week and you knew that this was a money series and you showed up anyway, like you get all the credit in the world. And I'm so sorry if you had no idea today and you wandered in here and you're like, what am I now trapped in the midst of? I'm even a little sorry if somebody invited you today uh, and please like <laughs> assume that they invited you because they, they think you're the expert and you're gonna critique me and the advice that I give you, not the other way around. They don't think you need help, okay? Or if they do, talk to them about it, not me. Uh, But no, it's a tension-filled topic, but it is a really important one. It's one that affects all of our lives, and you may or may not know this. It's a topic Jesus talked about often. Jesus actually talked and taught about money more than he talked or taught about heaven and hell combined. And yet, when we come to church, we think we're going to talk about things like heaven and hell and eternity and spiritual stuff. But if we start talking about money, it's like the the fences goes up. We're like, what are they doing here? Uh, And again, just a couple disclaimers, like this is not a ploy for the church to get your money, okay? This, I hope the posture of this entire series is something that's for you, not something that we want from you. And just to clarify, like I think the defenses go up because we've heard the stories and seen the high profile cases where churches or, or celebrity pastors misuse church funds and live extravagant lives off of people's generosity. And for the record, there is no private jet parked outside of the Roxy, okay? I drive a Chevy Equinox, a kind of oldish one now, and we'll talk about that a little more later, okay? It's nothing too crazy. Uh, And we are going to talk about generosity a little bit on week three of this series, but I think it's going to be better than you expect because, again, we're not trying to ask something from you. Uh, And then the last thing I wanted to just acknowledge before we jump in is I'm not perfect in this area either, right? I'm not, like, standing up here and saying, let me tell you all how you should manage your money, and if you could be just like me, you would have it all together, and God would bless you abundantly. Like, I hope God does bless you abundantly, but I don't think that's how this whole equation works, okay? I'm not saying if you do the things that I say, then you'll get rich. Uh, I don't really believe in that whole gospel, and neither did Jesus or any of his first century followers who were killed, mostly, poor and alone, but that's a different topic for a different day. Uh, what we're doing together is we're going to look at wisdom, okay? We're going to look at, at wisdom that God offers on how we can navigate this important area of our lives that affects all of us. Uh, but to lighten the mood, to maybe release some of that tension, to set up where we're going, how many of you guys remember the show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, right? Like back in the day, it was a huge deal. I just found out recently that it actually continued on all the way up until 2020, or maybe even 2021 was like a recent version of it. It kept popping up with different hosts along the way. Fun Peru fact that I learned this week, the title, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, was actually inspired by a Cole Porter song, who is a native here that we celebrate every year. So whenever June rolls around and it's Cole Porter Fest, you can bore all your friends with that trivia. Now you know. Uh, But the heyday of this show was the original run of the American version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire that happened in the late 90s and early 2000s, hosted by our very own Regis Philbin, right? He was the guy, he was the personality for this show, and this show was wildly popular. In fact, um, it was the most watched primetime series of the 1999 to 2000 uh, TV season. Remember when, like, we all watched the same things at the same time? 
like primetime TV, that was a thing. Yeah, I remember it was a thing for my family too. Uh, we got really into the show. If you haven't caught on, we're kind of nerdy people. And uh, this was like all about trivia and all of the random knowledge that we happened to know somewhere along the way. And so we were like, it's like Jeopardy, but better because there's money or different money or whatever. So we got really into the show. And uh, if you are a fan like me, you're in luck today because we are going to do the story church version of who wants to be a millionaire to get things started. Okay, check it out. We got the graphic, we got the music, but this is the story church version. So we're doing who wants to be a millionaire divided by 10,000 because we have a budget. Okay, we got to keep it reasonable. So I seriously, I need a volunteer, somebody who's willing to come up here and play the game. This is real money, by the way. This is not a joke. Anybody, I will pick. Anybody, anybody. Come on up, man. All right, all right. Give it up for Heath, he's coming up. So. Uh, if you need a refresher on how the game works while Heath's coming up here, we're going to play three rounds, okay? Three rounds of who wants to be a millionaire divided by 10,000. Uh, and the way that the game works, each round you have the opportunity to win a cash prize. Okay, round number one is for $5. You can hold it, it's real, okay? $5. You can choose, if you get it right, you get the $5. You can choose to go on to the next round, which you'll be, have the opportunity to earn $10. So you can double it up. You get 15 at the end of the day. I'll hold on to it for now. <laughs> and, to, and take that one back. You haven't won it yet. Yeah, so you can double it. And then round three, okay, you have the opportunity to win $100, which is a million dollars divided by 10,000. So if you get it wrong, you lose it all. You ready to play? Let me grab you a mic. That would help. And by the way, introduce yourself. Tell the people what you want them to know about you. Day one, basically. Yeah. yeah Do you like winning money? All right, then let's get to the game. Are you guys with Heath here? Are you going to cheer him on? Keep going. Cool. All right. So, who wants to be a millionaire divided by 10,000? Round number one. Who is the best player the Chicago Bulls have ever had? Was it Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Wayne Gretzky, 10 year old Daryl Bullhofer, or Michael Jordan? You can, you can, yeah. Michael Jordan, right? That's obvious. We would have accepted 10-year-old Daryl Bullhofer because we know where he was in his mind then, right? He was a big fan. All right, so congratulations. Round number one, you earned yourself $5. Now the question's on the table. Do you want to keep your $5? Do you want to keep going for more? Keep going. Keep going? You think you should keep going? Yeah. All right. Question number two. What is another name that Story Church has been known by in the past? Is it Northview Church, Oakbrook Church, <laughs> that cult at the movie theater, or Eric's super good idea? Are we choose wisely. You got you choose, choose. I can't. You, you can't phone me. I'm the host. Don't don't overthink it. It's not hard. It's uh, either Eric's super good idea. <laughs> Go with Oprah Church? All right, can I see Oprah Church? Yeah, it's easy. It, we're all of those things. All of those things to all kinds of people. So congratulations. You made it through round two. You're at $15. Would you like to continue for the big prize, round three? All right, you think you should keep going? All right, round three. Here we go. Remember, if you get it wrong, you lose it all. All right. 
What is the synthetic element discovered in 1955, identified as element 101 on the periodic table? No phones. Okay, you can phone a friend, but they can't Google it. Let's see. Is it helium? Is it boron? Is it rub a dub dum? Or is it platinum? I believe it's boron. Final answer? Boron? All right. Show me boron. Nope. It's Mendelevium. Yeah, it wasn't actually even up there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry, my friend. You've, you've lost it all. See, this isn't, this isn't a prop. This is actually my cash. So we couldn't make it too easy for you. But it's terrible to go to church and like get baited and switched and not walk away with anything. So you've earned yourself a bag of Roxy popcorn, which you can enjoy as we continue on throughout the day. Thanks for playing. Give it up for Heath for being a good sport. And you're probably wondering, why in the world did we play a game show at the start of church? Uh, one reason is because we're okay to have fun here, okay? Like, that's a part of life. We think God is cool with us having fun and laughing together. Uh, but the other reason that I wanted us to run through that is because that game and our attitude towards it reveals this attitude that is huge in our culture and unfortunately can become huge in our lives and lead to difficulty if we lean into it. And that attitude is this attitude that more is better, Right? Do you feel it in the room? I mean, he could have, I would have, for the record, <laughs> had you quit at round two, it would have ruined my illustration, but you would have kept $15. Right. But all of us, we're like, no, go for more, right? Because we believe in our world that more is better. All of us were cheering for him to go on. It seems obvious, because why stop at five or 15 if you can get 100? If $1 is good, $2 are better, right? If one car is good, two cars are better. If you have a home, a vacation home, is better. We just believe in our culture that if you can have more, you should have more because it's better to have it. In fact, there was a study done by Harvard Business School. They asked 4,000 millionaires or more in America. So 4,000 American millionaires. Uh, and amongst other th questions that they asked them, they asked the question basically, how much money would make you happier? How, how much money would you have to have to be happier? So these are already millionaires at varying levels. And so basically what they did is they asked these millionaires, how much income do you currently have? And how happy are you on a scale from zero to 10? And wherever their number was, then they asked the follow-up question, what would it take to move the needle closer to that perfect 10 score? And, and so the results uh, said 26% said they needed 10 times more to be happy, right? 24% said they needed five times more to be happier, to, to, to truly be happy. And here's what's staggering. Of these already millionaires who are being pulled, only 13% said, I actually have enough right now to be happy. So overall, it, it didn't matter if the participants had $100 million or $10 million or just $1 million. 87% of those who were surveyed by this study said, more is better. And it's so easy for us to grumble about that, right? And be like, those rich people who just want more for themselves. But the truth is, I think it's not just millionaires. Like, I, I think it's not just those who are ultra wealthy or well off, but we all can fall into this mindset. Have you ever thought to yourself, if I just made a couple of bucks more an hour, then I'd be content? Or, or if you like own a business or you're part of an organization, maybe setting goals, have you thought like, if we could just like increase profits by 10 or 15%, if the business grew by, by 10% this year, then we'd be stable, then we'd make it. Or, or maybe you've had the thought with your family, like if we could just afford that vacation, it would fix everything and my family would be happy and we'd be content. Hear me out today. I'm not saying all of that thinking is bad. 
In fact, I think that growth and trying to maximize our potential and steward what we've been given uh, to the highest degree is actually a really good thing and a really God-given thing for us to lean into together. But when it comes to financial freedom, right, when it comes to how we navigate and live our day in and day out lives, it can become a problem when this idea that more is better becomes the primary focus of our lives and the primary driver of how we approach and manage and think about our money. When we do that, we leave ourselves vulnerable to, again, fall in with the cultural mindset that more is better. And many of us have bought into it. Like, again, it's just in our culture. Think about our reality TV shows that we love to watch. Uh, All these shows are, are like, still on the air, I believe. They're popular shows. There's Auction Hunters, which those guys look tough. Uh, American Pickers, Storage Wars, Flea Market Flip. It's like all these shows that are about stuff and about more stuff or how we take other people's more stuff and turn it into new stuff for us to either flip and make a profit on or enjoy ourselves. Uh, When we were doing our run through, Sarah was talking about flea market flip. And she's like, I used to love that show. But the things she said she loved about it was critiquing and criticizing like the paint choices that they made when they flip stuff. Like I could do it so much better, right? And some of us like it for that reason too. But like we're just drawn into these stories about stuff about this mindset that having more and getting more is better. And coming soon, there's going to be the new reality special uh, about my life called Don't Look in My Basement, (laughs) um, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But the truth is, when we buy into this mindset that more is better, what ends up happening is in our lives, we end up stressed and anxious and exhausted and worried, just trying to keep up and trying to manage our own appetite. And, And if you're here today and you're feeling that kind of financial pressure, If you're here today and and this dynamic I'm talking about, or when I talk about finances, you're like, freedom is the furthest word that I would use to describe how I feel about my money. Here's the truth that I want you to hear today. It's that God really does want you to be free from that. God does want you to be free. And again, I'm not saying God wants you to be rich and wealthy, and if you just had more faith, then you'd have more money. I don't believe that for a second. But what I do believe is that God wants us to be free from the worry and the stress and the anxiety and the endless appetite of chasing more time and time again. God wants us to be free from the stuff that so often comes along with our finances. And so today, as we begin this conversation that we're gonna have for a few weeks, I wanna start by debunking this myth that we fall into that more is better. And I wanna raise our awareness and intentionality surrounding a better way. And it's a way that actually leads to freedom in this area of our lives. Uh, but before we go on, I wanna offer like one more disclaimer uh, to a group of people who may be in the room today. And, and I wanna just offer this if you're here and you're going through a difficult time financially, but you feel like it's not your fault. Right? You're going through a difficult time financially, but it's not necessarily the result of poor money management. Uh, maybe something just happened out of the blue. Maybe your income was reduced and you're trying to figure out like what you can cut from your lifestyle, but there's only so much you can cut until it's like getting the groceries and gas and that stuff that we need just to live life. Maybe you're between jobs right now. Uh, maybe you're, you're like, you're trying, you've applied, but the, the hits haven't come in. You haven't found something new. So you're trying to navigate the tension and the stress of that. Maybe you've gone through something difficult relationally that's impacted you financially as well. Uh, maybe uh, there was an illness that showed up. We all know what hospital bills can do and, and just the burden that that can be on our lives. But sometimes the financial pain and the pressure that we feel has nothing to do with bad choices that we've made, but it's simply the result of circumstances that are beyond our control. And if that's you today, I want you to know that you're seen here, that you're seen by us, but you're seen by God and that he wanna meet you right where you are as well. He wants to meet you in the midst of that today. And, and what I hope you hear today 
is not a pressure-filled message about how you should get it together or, or a message about judgment for where you're at, especially if these uh, circumstances are outside of your control again. But I hope what you hear today is something that can be a help to you. And I hope you know that you're never alone in the midst of what you're facing. So if that's you today, like, please hear that from me. And for the rest of us, right, who aren't there, I think for the rest of us, we probably in some way could use a little help grasping uh, or turning down the volume on the message that more is better and instead grasping this better idea that less is more, that less is actually more in our lives often. Some places it's obvious, right? Like, do you want more stress and more anxiety and more worry and more fear? No, of course not, right? Like, less is obviously more there. Uh, and we know this, but I think we often lose sight of it, that, that I've never heard anybody honestly answer the question, like, hey, what's most important to you in your life by pulling out their bank statement? Or like, hey, it's not like, well, check out my checking account. Or, or like, what, what's most important to you? It's never like, I've got this car in my driveway. And, and it's amazing. Like, sometimes we feel that way, right? If it's brand new, or like, look at it. But over time, like, it, it, what really matters in your life, it's not like, I've got granite countertops, right? This is what it's all about right here. Again, sometimes maybe we feel that way. Um, but this yesterday, I actually attended a funeral, and uh, they're all hard, okay? But this one was uniquely difficult. And as I was sitting there, I was thinking about what we're talking about. And do you know what nobody brought up at this service? Nobody brought up a bank account. Nobody brought up a job even or like an income rate. There wasn't stuff around except for stuff that was significant for, for deeper reasons. But do you know what everybody who talked at this funeral talked about? They talked about faith. They talked about family. They talked about friends. They talked about relationships. They talked about the deeper stuff of life, right, that we all know is ultimately most important. When we go to environments like that, we're reminded of what really matters. And many of us, the tragedy is many of us spend so much of our time going after things that ultimately, at the end of the day, aren't actually our highest priority. We spend so much time and effort trying to accumulate more stuff or more money and the real tragic thing is when we sacrifice the things that matter most on the altar of more, right? When our families fall apart because we're working long hours or, or when our friendships fall apart because there's just so much tension in our lives around money, it's tragic. We give up what actually matters most in pursuit of more of what actually doesn't matter at all at the end of the day. So what I wanna do today uh, to set us up to win, to kind of point us in the direction of financial freedom is I wanna talk about three truths that come from scripture that actually confront our more is better mindset. And, and then with those truths, I don't wanna just leave it as like, this is true, so do it. But we're gonna like give you something practical that you can do to live out each of these three truths immediately. Okay, this isn't like, if you do this for five years, you can feel free. This is like, if you take this and you do this, it'll move you in the direction of financial freedom immediately, if you lean into these things. So you guys with me? There's three truths we're gonna look at to confront this mindset. And the first is this. The first thing we have to grasp if we want to find financial freedom is this posture of less conforming and more transforming. Less conforming and more transforming. And if you don't know what I mean by that, uh, that turn of phrase actually comes from something that the Apostle Paul wrote in the first century to a group of Jesus followers gathered in Rome. We know it as the book of Romans. It's in your Bible. Uh, and when he gets to chapter 12 in this letter, in this book, as we look at it, uh, I love chapter 12 of Romans because it's like this actionable bullet point list that's like, this is what it means to live as a Christian. 
This is what it means to love well. He says, like, hate evil, do what's good. He lists out all these things that are very easy to understand and very actionable. But before he gets there, at the very beginning of this chapter, Paul offers this to these Jesus followers. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And do you know what it means to like conform to something? Uh, if you don't, think about Plato for a second. And my daughter loves to play with Plato. And, and the thing about Plato is like, it's fun if you just take the like goo thing out of the little yellow like cup and you dump it out and you play with it. But what's even more fun about Plato is when you introduce patterns and molds to it. Uh, like a few years back, uh, some friends of ours got her a Plato grill set. So it's like this awesome little red top, like looks like a propane grill. And it came with these little molds where you can take your Play-Doh and, and you can make a hot dog if you want. You like put the Play-Doh in there and you smash it and you get a little hot dog or you can make little burger patties. The thing that I particularly love about it is when you open up the grill and you put the little patty on it and you close the grill, they figured out some like stamping mechanism that puts perfect grill lines on it. So I'm like, teacher early, right? This is how we do it around here. Uh, but the thing about Play-Doh is right, you put it in the pattern, you put it in the mold, and it comes out conformed to that shape. It comes out formed in that image. What Paul is getting at is that the same thing happens to us in our world, that there's patterns or tendencies in this world, and if we're not careful, we'll be conformed, we'll be shaped into them. And to be honest, when I uh, first kind of heard this verse and heard it in church growing up, a lot of times I heard it kind of in the context of culture wars, right? It was like, don't listen to bad music or don't watch inappropriate TV shows or else you'll be conformed to the pattern of this world. And there's some truth to that, right? There's something important about paying attention to the stuff we put in our minds and in our hearts. But I think as it relates to our finances and as it relates to how we manage the stuff that we have, the truth of conforming to the patterns of this world is much less obviously sinister and it's much more deceptively dangerous, Right, that, that we might just be pulled into these habits or these patterns that seem normal because everybody else around us is doing it too. But at the end of the day, it draws us further away from who God wants us to be. Patterns of this world, like spending more than you make, right? Just like going and getting more stuff and then at the end of the day being like, oh no, right? I have more month than money. Or, or maybe a pattern of this world that so many of us are pulled into is borrowing more than we can manage, finding ourselves in debt, and then getting more debt to manage that debt, and on and on and on it goes. These patterns of this world, see, they're not like inherently bad on the surface, like you should spend money on things as you need them, and, and debt's not even inherently evil, it can be managed well. But when it becomes too much, when we believe more is better, it can become so dangerous in our lives. And the point Paul is making, he says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says that that when you became a follower of Jesus, if you're here and you're like, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, that when you became a follower of Jesus, it wasn't just about, hey, I want to go to heaven someday and I hope he forgives me for all the bad stuff that I've done, but it was actually this all-in commitment that says, I want to be transformed from the inside out for the rest of my life, to, to become more and more like the person of Jesus and more and more like the person that God has always wanted me to be. Uh, to become a follower of Jesus is making a commitment to your ongoing transformation as long as as you live. And I'm not talking about modifying behavior or like cleaning up your act so that God loves you more. If anything, it's the opposite. It's understanding God loves you so much that he wants to change you from the inside out and he wants to draw out in you more of the person that he always made you to be. But it means that we don't just blindly go along with what everybody else is doing. 
that if we really follow Jesus, we take our cue from him. And, and so to move this to the practical side, how do we actually do this? And actually, before I jump into that, uh, I don't want to miss this. Did you catch what was at the end of that verse? He says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to test and approve God's will for your life, his good and per- pleasing and perfect will. And how many of us, right, if we, it relates to our faith, we're like, man, I wish I just knew what God's will for my life is. The point Paul's making is that if you allow yourself to be transformed from the inside out, if you listen to the voice of Jesus in your life, then as you're transformed, it'll be easier for you to understand what God wants for you because you're letting him make you into the person that he wants you to be. But practically, how do we do that? Well, I think the first step in doing what Paul's talking about is for us to actually call out the conforming when it shows up in our lives. Often, when we're conforming to some kind of pattern that's actually not good for us, it's not like we wake up one day and we're like, today's the day I'm gonna ruin my finances, right? It's like we wake up and we're like, I'm gonna spend more than I make, I'm gonna get into debt up to my eyeballs, and I'm gonna be miserable for the rest of my life today. Nobody wakes up and decides that, right? These these habits or these decisions happen over time because we just drift in bad directions because it's easy to get pulled in to this pattern, to this way of the world. It's what happens when we don't test or challenge our thoughts and our behaviors. So what if you actually called attention this week to the areas in your life where you might be conforming to an unhealthy pattern financially? Maybe that looks like nothing related to your money. Maybe it's related to your pace of life, that you're just working around the clock because you believe you need more in order to get ahead. And maybe for you, it is spending. Maybe you keep buying more than you can afford. And it's just compulsive, right? We, all, we probably all have Amazon accounts and it's just like the boxes keep showing up and I don't know what's happening. Like we can fall into this. Maybe it's believing that you would be worthy or you would be loved more if you had more or if you had a different image, if people saw a different you. Like these things we can fall into. What if you challenged yourself to, by actually paying attention and looking at yourself and specifically looking at your spending habits? And then you ask the question, am I being the person God made me to be here, right? Are my spending habits leading me more into the person God wants me to be, or is this a distraction from who God wants me to be? I think one of the best and easiest ways that we can do this is what I like to call spying on your money, which sounds way cooler than budgeting, okay? <laughs> like spying on your money, in other words, it just means track where it's going, right? Money comes in, if you have a job, you're working, the money comes in, but so often the money goes out and we don't pay attention to where it's going. It just, it runs away somewhere. In fact, I mentioned we're gonna talk about generosity on week three, and again, I'm not asking anything from you today, but there's this concept that's been popular in the church for a long time known as tithing, which is like giving 10% of your income. But do you know what's true in most American households? Most American households spend about 10% of their income on accident. They don't know where it goes. Like at the end of the year, you're like 10%'s a lot, right? And it's like, it went somewhere. I bought something, I think, but it just, it goes in and then it disappears and we don't pay attention to where it goes. And here's why this is a big deal. It's because the areas that we tend to conform in financially often reveal a deeper issue with our priorities. Jesus said it this way, famously, he's quoted as saying, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, where your money goes reveals what you actually value most. Because there's the things that we say we value, right? I mean, we're still a month into New Year's. Maybe you're doing good, maybe you're not. But we say like, I want this for my life, or I I value this in my life. 
but where our money goes reveals what we actually value in our lives. I was thinking about this for me because like I say in general, like, yeah, I want to be a healthy person and I don't want to spend my money frivolously. Uh, but then I looked at how much money I spent on fast food in the past year. And I was like, oh no, right? I say I value this, but look where my money's actually going. It's going to that drive-thru and that drive-thru. And like, we've all seen prices creeping up, right? And I feel the pain every time. I'm like, that's $10 now? That, that used to be $5. Like what? It, where my money goes reveals what I actually value. And the same thing is true for you. And when you actually are willing to acknowledge where your money's going, this isn't meant to be an exercise in guilt. Okay, you may feel guilty, you may feel embarrassed. Like, do not ask me how many Big Macs I bought last year, whatever. <laughs> uh, but it's meant to be an honest assessment of ourselves. An honest assessment of like, what are we actually doing? And asking the question like, am I aligning myself with God's best for me? And, and do I really believe that there's nothing better for me? than aligning myself with God's best for me. If you're of the millennial generation and younger, this may be true for older generations, but I'll speak for uh, my generation and younger. This probably shows up for you in the craziness of subscription services, right? Because our economy's changed a lot. And if it can be a subscription, companies have found out it's a good thing to make it a subscription. Because what happens is often, if you're like me, you get suckered in with that one month free trial. And you're like, that sounds good, free, like get stuff. And then you forget to cancel it and one month free trial turns into eight months, nine months of spending that you did on accident. I, I get this all the time in streaming services because I really like stories. We call the place Story Church. Like I, like I like media and watching stuff. And so I'll be like, man, I can watch a whole show. I just got to get it done in a month, right? It's free. I just got to get it done and I've got to cancel it. So I'll get like halfway through and then I'm like, I'm going to finish it. I'll go back. And then a month goes by and a month goes by and a month goes by and I don't watch any of it, but I pay for it. Right? This can run crazy in our lives. We can spend so frivolously if we're not careful. But when we're intentional, that's the kind of thing that actually leads to transformation, that actually leads to financial freedom. So things, number one, is we need less conforming and we need more transforming. The second truth that we need is less pursuit and more peace. And I'm not going to spend as long on this one because we actually talked about this recently uh, around Thanksgiving time. Uh, but the endless pursuit of more it's, it's exhausting and it creates anxiety in our lives as we feel like we need more and we work harder and work harder and it feels like we're never keeping up with our appetites. Uh, we talked about this secret of contentment around Thanksgiving and the writer of Ecclesiastes talks about it like this. It says it this way, that it is better to have one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. One handful is a limited amount, right? And it's better to have that than two handfuls of more than you can actually handle. It's better to have less than it is to have more. Once again, it's better to have less with peace than to have more with anxiety and frustration. And we believe this in other areas of our life, right? We've probably heard it said that it's better to have a few close friends who really know you than to have hundreds of followers on social media who don't know you at all. It's better to have one meaningful family vacation than to have 12 months of work travel with no real meaningful connection. It's better to have one handful of stuff and sleep soundly at night than it is to have two handfuls of more than you can handle and to be plagued with stress. The point is obvious to us. It's that peace is better than toil. And peace is found in our ability to stop pursuing more. And I was thinking about a time where this showed up in my life uh, and I've been proud, at least throughout my like, adult driving life, I have been a proud member of what I call the crappy car club uh, because like, my parents were amazing 
they're here today, okay, but they were amazing. Uh, when I was in high school, they got me my first car. It was, I think, like a 1999 Pontiac Sunfire. I always say that it was me and every blonde-haired girl in my high school who were rolling up in Pontiac Sunfires. But it was a great first car, and it took care of me well uh, until it burnt out on the side of the road on the way to my freshman year of college. Uh, my parents, again, were super generous. They helped me replace that car by upcycling my dad's car uh, to me. So dad got a new car. I got my dad's, I think, 2001 Pontiac Bonneville which at one time was a great car. But by the time I got in, particularly by the tail end of when I was driving it, the thing just kept deteriorating more and more and more year over year. Uh, one of the biggest issues with it, th it had a sunroof, which again, is amazing. Like, wow, it's a feature. I've got a car with a sunroof. But the way that they drained the rainwater off of this sunroof is uh, inside of this Bonneville, there were like these little elbows that were next to uh, the windshield. So the water would hit the sunroof and then it would, in theory, drain down and run out the frame of the car, which is a great system if it works. But what would happen is those elbows would disconnect inside of the frame of the car. A and so what was one time like the water slide out of the car became the hose into the car. And so over time, if it rained, like the longer I drove that thing, the upholstery on the top, like the carpet on the roof, started drooping lower and lower and lower because all that moisture that was getting in there just like ate away at the glue. And so eventually you couldn't even see out the back window if you didn't like whack down the carpet hanging behind you. Uh, I can remember it was towards the tail end of driving that bad boy that uh, I worked at Oakbrook Church in Kokomo and we happened to live very close to it at the time. So I had like two turns to get to the church where I was working. And it was this uh, day after we had just had a ton of rain the night before and I was driving uh, to the church and I made my turn into the parking lot and I remember I heard whoosh in the back seat and I'm like, what's that? And so I looked back there, there's like three, four inches of water just collected in the back like well where your legs are supposed to go if you're riding in the back. It was just water. Like we were just rolling in the ocean mobile over here. <laughs> and I pulled in. And so eventually we decided we should replace that one. Uh, but it was a season where we were trying to be wise with our finances. And so I ended up buying off of a friend the most basic Chevy Cobalt that you could ever find. Okay, I, I think it did have air conditioning, so it could have been worse. Uh, but it had no cruise control. It didn't have power anything. Like remember the crank windows? That was me for a very, very long time throughout my adult life, like rolling around in this Cobalt. And... Uh, Again, I, kept, I held on to that car until unexpectedly the front wheel flew off of it while I was driving, <laughs> which is a different topic for a different day. Some of you are like, this guy shouldn't be driving. Uh, <laughs> but eventually, I upgraded to the car that I have now. And when I did it, it was like we had some money saved. We were doing pretty well financially. And so it was time for me to upgrade to like big boy car status. So I got this 2013 Chevy Equinox. It's what I still drive today. It was really uh, exciting because it had like a Bluetooth radio thing. I felt like a big shot. Like I was driving off that lot, like my phone, it, like it works. And there's cruise control and like powered everything now. And it was amazing. But what I remember about that moment is not only did I get my first like nice car or big boy car, but I also started noticing other cars. It, it was like my mindset started to creep. And I was like, if I can afford this, how much is a Tesla? Right? <laughs> like, like if I can afford this, are there other options out there? Like, can we manage more? And I still drive that, by the way, <laughs> and probably will till the wheel falls off based on my <laughs> history. But the truth is we can all get caught in that trap, can't we? Uh, of like, even when we get something nice, we then start wanting more. And, and we can even drift into doing whatever it takes to get it. So how do we get out of that? I think practically for a lot of us, we need to cut back on our consumption. And I know that's like an anti-American thing for me to say, right? <laughs> but, but for a lot of us, we need to cut back on our consumption of stuff because when we consume less, 
most of the time we discover that we can actually be content with less. That when we consume less, we actually don't need as much as we think that we do, and we can actually have peace with what we already have. And maybe for you, consuming less means some hard stuff, right? Maybe it means changing where you shop or changing how often you shop, giving somebody else your Amazon password, (laughs) whatever it may be. Uh, For me, uh, let me tell you, it's fun to shop on the week that you're going to teach about money. Uh, because on Friday, I went to pick up my daughter, but I ended up in Kokomo where she goes to school about 15 minutes early. So I got some time to kill. So I went to a store called Buyer's Market. Uh, it's basically, if you don't know about Buyer's Market, this is a bad week to learn about it because we're talking about money management. Okay, Buyer's Market is basically, it's like a secondhand or overstock store where uh, big box stores and like brand names will give them their stuff that either they had too much inventory of, or maybe the box got damaged or something. And then buyer's market sells it back at an extreme discount. And, and so what happens to me when I walk into buyer's market, I've never walked into buyer's market with an agenda for what I wanted to purchase. Cause you never know what's going to be there. It's just like deal hunting and you show up, but I walk those aisles and I'm like, Ooh, that, right. That's a good deal. I didn't even know I needed it until I saw the discount on it. Uh, I have like five or six photos from Friday. I'm not even kidding where I would walk through and be like, that's a good deal but I'm teaching them money. <laughs> like that's a good deal. They have Star Wars toys, okay? And I'm not gonna admit whether I'm getting them for my daughter or for me, but it's like, it's this thing that I realize like I've gotta be careful, right? Maybe it's a habit I need to be intentional about to not just drift into overspending. And the point is this, it's if I buy less, I consume less. And when I consume less, I realize that I don't actually need as much as I think I do. And I have more peace. And the same thing will be true in your life as well. So we got to call out conforming when it shows up in our lives. Maybe we need to cut back on consumption. The third truth is that if we want to be financially free, we all need less greed and more gratitude in our lives. And, and like none of us think that we're greedy, right? Gr- greedy is Scrooge McDuck, right? If you're like me, it, it, or it's Scrooge from the Christmas Carol, like, take your pick. Greedy are these like people who have so much and they won't share anything. But Jesus loves us enough to sometimes tell us things that we need to hear but don't want to hear. And he did that to a crowd as it's recorded in Luke chapter 12 when he said this, there's this large crowd and he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed because life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And notice how he says that. He says, be on your guard. That's like an active posture. If you're guarding somebody in basketball, you're not just like, hands in your pockets waiting to see if they show up. You're like, you're on them, right? You're dialed into what's happening. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, watch out for greed because life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions. And do any of you here have an abundance of possessions? Let me ask it this way. Do any of you here have that section of your closet or that drawer with those clothes that you haven't worn for a year hanging in them? Oh, I saw looks happening, right? That's, that's dangerous territory. Yeah, or do you have that junk drawer full of stuff that you might need someday? Do you have a garage that looks like mine with that like little two by four scrap just thrown in the corner? It's like, you never know, right? Someday that's gonna be the perfect size. See, Jesus knew we all have a tendency towards greed, that kind of greed, this overspending and hoarding and holding on to possessions. And Jesus wants to remind us that life is more than the stuff that we acquire. Uh, again, I've been to and officiated a lot of funerals. I've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul behind it, right? We don't take it with us. We don't take it with us at the end of the day. And when we allow ourselves to have less, we can actually find ourselves more thankful for what we do have, more thankful for what we do possess. 
So if you want less greed, here's the practical step. It's to clear out the clutter. Clear out the clutter that shows up in our lives. Uh, there's this concept. It was made popular by Marie Kondo, if you remember the big craze with Marie Kondo back in the day. Uh, but basically, she said that if there's stuff that you have a hard time getting rid of, which I'm there, there's a lot of stuff I have a hard time getting rid of. She says what you need to learn to do is, is to take that thing, whatever it is, and thank it for the role it played in your life and then give it to somebody else. Like appreciate it for what it was there for and then give it away. Thank it for the purpose that it served and then set it free. And again, I was thinking about this and uh, we moved to Peru in September of 2021. So that's a little bit ago now, right? And when we did that, we boxed everything up, right? We even had to downsize some. I had a four car garage that was that's why I bought the house in Kokomo, don't tell Ashley. Uh, it, we downsized to like a normal size garage. So like I had all stuff to figure out. Um, but what I was thinking about this week is I have like five or six boxes of books, like big boxes of books. A and we packed all those up and we moved with them. And then we set them down in a certain spot in our house. And here we are years later and guess where they are? That same spot we set down in our house. In fact, it's a pretty visible spot. If you ever walk into our house, like there's a door we can shut so you can't see it. But if you like let into the inner sanctum, you'll see it's at the bottom of our stairs. It's turned into like a built-in shelf, this box tower of books. And I've looked at it before and I'm like, I, sh I should go through that, right? I don't need all of this. I should, this at least shouldn't be sitting out in the middle of our house. Like we should do something with it. But every time I'm like, but what if I need it someday? Right? Like, there's a lot of wisdom in those books. What if I need to refer back to it? What if somebody has a situation and I can go, I've got just the thing for you. Like I'm even willing to give it away, just not yet. <laughs> like what if I need an illustration for a talk? I, I do this thing a lot. And, and so that stuff just sits there. And I was convicted by my own message this week where I'm like, maybe I need to go through these books. I need to say, thank you for the purpose you served in my life seven years ago when you were relevant. Now be free. A and here's the point. What's even crazier than having a lot of stuff is holding on to stuff while we're wearing ourselves out over anxiety for how to pay for it, right? <laughs> Hanging on to stuff that we can't manage. And so what if for you, like every time you decide to get something new, what if you decided to give something away at the same time? You need no new clothes? Cool. Get rid of an old outfit that you're not wearing, right? You need to upgrade that TV? Cool. Get rid of the old one. Don't just put it in the garage. <laughs> give it to somebody or, or give it away. Or here's a real challenge that might not be as challenging as you think. What if this week, just as like a gut check for this, what if you walked through your house the next seven days and you tried to make a list of 100 things that you could give away? You, you don't even have to give it away, okay? What if you made a list? I bet you'd get to 100 a lot faster than you think. I, I know I would, probably in books alone, <laughs> right? But here's the point. It's that less greed actually leads to more gratitude in our lives. And, and when it relates to financial freedom and what God wants for us, to wrap this up, um, there's an author named Pearl S. Buck who one time said it this way. She said, many people lose the small joys in the hope for the big happiness. And you know, that's so true in this arena of our lives, isn't it? That, that so often we don't invest in the things that actually matter most because we're caught up in spending and then earning and then managing and trying to keep up with all the lesser things. It's easy to miss out on the small joys of the things that we really want, a strong faith, strong families, strong friendships and relationships, inner peace, that stuff that we're all actually after. It's easy to miss out on that when we're running around like crazy, believing that more is better. And as we wrap up, uh, maybe you've heard all this and you're like, okay, I get it, right? And I wanna do better. I wanna learn how to manage this better, but I don't even know where to begin. I get that. 
and, and it can be so complicated. But we want to help in the midst of that. And so we're in the process right now of putting together uh, just various financial resources that may be useful for you. Uh, things like classes like Financial Peace University, which I've been through before. It can be a really helpful tool. Or even just like budgeting templates. And like, how do I actually start keeping track of where my money is going? A and if that's something that you would be interested in, you can visit our website today. Uh, just go to storyperu.com slash freedom. And there's a button there. Uh, we're going to ask you for your name, for your email, and for your phone number. Not so we can tell all your friends that you need help, okay? There's not going to be a Facebook post this week that's like, these are the people asking for financial resources. It, it we'll keep it private. But when those resources are made available, we want to flag you and let you know, hey, this is here because life is complicated and we want to help you get it right. We want to help you figure this stuff out. So if that's you, I mean, feel free to take out your phone right now or later. It's just storyperu.com freedom. You can sign up and we'd love to help you in that way. But here's the point, these three simple things, we've t practical, simple, but difficult to do things that we've talked about, is to call out conforming when it shows up in our life. Call out those patterns and habits, actually spy on our money and track where it's going. To cut back on consumption, that maybe we don't need as much as we want. Maybe we don't need as much as we think. And to clear out the clutter, maybe it's time to give away some things, to lessen the hold greed has on our lives. A and here's what I would challenge you with as we end. What if you pick one of those things that resonates with you and over the next seven days, you decide to do it? You, you decide, I'm gonna commit to trying it just for the next week and then we'll pick things back up together. What I hope you get today is that financial freedom is possible. Financial freedom is what God wants for all of us, but it happens one step at a time, one decision at a time. And God wants to meet you where you're at, but then take you to the place that he's always wanted you to be in this arena. So let me pray for you. God, this is easy to hear. This is easy to agree with. It's easy to know that we need, but it's really difficult to live out. And so I just pray for my friends here today uh, who, if they're honest, they're like, yeah, I've fallen into some unhealthy patterns with my money. I don't even know where it's going. And, and God, I pray that they would have the courage to spy on their money, to actually track where it's going, and then be honest about whether it's where they want to be, whether it's where you want them to be. So give them clarity around what to do with that. God, I pray for those of us who get drawn into the consumption game, that maybe we could dial it back, that we could recognize that life isn't found in the abundance of possessions, and that actually lowering our consumption helps us understand that we need less than we think that we do. God, for those of us whose lives are filled with clutter, may we release the hold that greed can have on our lives by being willing to give things away and have gratitude for what we already have. And God, I pray, uh, just as we continue this conversation, again, that this wouldn't be pressure-filled or guilt-filled, but it, it would be freedom-producing, that we could be free from the anxiety and the worry of how we're gonna make ends meet, and instead we could live the full and abundant lives that you've called us to. God, we pray and we ask all of that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in or near the Peru, Indiana area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. To find directions, service times, and information about our environments for kids, visit us at storyperu.com.